Hi, I'm Dr. Wamboi, and welcome to the Drag Chat. I think that the human body is intricately created, making us one of the most amazing living things on earth. In this podcast, we explore how the body works and then apply the drugs. My hope is that with this knowledge, we become better healthcare providers, whatever field of medicine you may be in, better caregivers to our patients or to ourselves. We do take medicines from time to time, don't we? All right, let's break it down. Welcome to the world of diabetes. So let's start out with what diabetes is. So it's called diabetes mellitus, and it's a chronic disorder of glucose metabolism. And this disorder results in serious clinical implications. So of course, the nerdy person I am, I wondered, okay, so why didn't we just call it lots of glucose disease? So I wanted to know what is diabetes and what is mellitus. And it turns out that mellitus is a Latin word meaning sweet. While diabetes is a Greek word that means to siphon or to pass through. So what they noticed is that people who had this disorder, their urine was very sweet. So urine passing through that is sweet, right? And that's what made up the words diabetes mellitus. So as I said, it involves the elevated, inappropriately elevated blood glucose levels. Um, And it is further categorized broadly into type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes. And we'll talk about that later. So type 1 diabetes, it presents in children or adolescents, while 2, the type 2, is thought to affect middle-aged and older adults that have prolonged hyperglycemia. Hyperglycemia meaning high glucose in their body. And they, why do they have this high glucose in their bodies, in their blood? It's because of poor lifestyle and, diet, and poor dietary um, choices. Unfortunately, today, we are starting to see this type 2 in younger people because their lifestyle and dietary issues are affecting them um, so much that it's no longer just the middle-aged and older adults that get this disease, which is not good. We need to do something about that, but that's a conversation of another day. So before we get into the disease, let's look at, as usual, how does your body deal with glucose on a regular day, on a regular amount of glucose? What actually happens? So it all goes down in the pancreas and specifically in the pancreas, it's uh, the islets of Langerhans where you're going to find beta cells and alpha cells. And these cells, they produce hormones depending on what's the environment of glucose in your body. So let's start with um, the the two hormones that we're going to be talking about is insulin and glucagon. So the insulin hormone, so obviously I'm sure by now every time you hear insulin, you think diabetes, right? So the insulin hormone is produced by the beta cells while the glucagon hormone is produced by the alpha cells. And these two hormones, you know, insulin and glucagon, they behave in a seesaw manner. 
and it's in their reaction to the amount of glucose in the environment. So maybe when one is up, the other one is down. But then what we really, the perfect place is when that seesaw is leveled. Okay. So glucagon promotes the breakdown of glycogen to glucose. So clearly, the body must have sent an alarm that said, we need sugar, we need sugar. And glucagon was sent out to break down the ones that are in the store and produce glucose so that the body can use it. While insulin promotes the use of the glucose that is in the body. So an alarm is sent out and said, hey, we've got lots of glucose here. We need to do something about it. And the insulin comes out and it, um, it will help the body to use it. So the, the body to use it for energy. Or it is going to tell the body, all right, uh, we have enough energy. How about we store this extra? So insulin lowers the amount of glucose in your blood. So in a, in a good example, you know, you've just eaten and um, when you eat, insulin is released because there's all this glucose that's in your body that has come from the food. All right. So going back to the types of diabetes, starting with type one, you will see it referred to as immune mediated diabetes uh, before, it used to be called insulin-dependent diabetes or juvenile-onset diabetes. And all this is to say it is as a result of an autoimmune destruction of the beta cells in the pancreas. Remember, the beta cells are the ones that produce insulin. So if the beta cells have been destroyed, then we don't have insulin. So, of course, I know what you're thinking that, yes, and that's why we give type 1 diabetes patients insulin because their body is not making it, or if it is, it's not enough. However, some forms of type 1 diabetes, we do not know, we do not, they have an unknown etiology, meaning there's no evidence that it's from autoimmunity, and truly, we don't even know what is causing this insulin not to be made. So, that's type 1. Type 1, it's autoimmune mostly. That's why we are saying it's immune-mediated. And um, it's re sometimes you've seen it referred to as insulin-dependent, meaning they're dependent on insulin to be given to it. Juvenile onset, meaning that type 1 usually will happen to children or to the young and uh, adolescents and young kids. All right? So then there is type 2. And this is where most of our diabetes patients fall under. We're talking about like 90% and above of patients with diabetes. It's probably type 2. And in the past, it has been referred to as non-insulin dependent or adult onset, onset diabetes. So non-insulin dependent meaning... It's not that your body is not making the insulin. It is making the insulin, right? An adult onset, onset meaning um, it starts out in middle age or older adults like we had said before. Unfortunately, that, like I said, is no longer just adults that are getting the type, um, type 2 diabetes. So this group, type 2, has also has something part of remember because they're still making the insulin right so the insulin is not the problem making it is not the problem so part of the reason or, or part of the issue is that this group of patients end up having insulin resistance which is in 
which and what is insulin resistant it's when the cells in your muscles or your fat or your liver they don't respond well to insulin and they cannot easily take up glucose from your blood all right so let me set the scenario here so you have lots of blood sugar you have a lot of glucose sugar in your bloodstream and it's consistently going up and up and up and up so obviously what does your pancreas do it pumps out lots of insulin telling the body, we've got so much sugar, somebody just needs to get rid of this. Now, over time, the cells that are supposed to store this extra glucose that is so much in your body, you know, the fat cells and the liver cells and your muscles, they stop responding to all that insulin because they've become resistant. They're like, all right, too much. But then your pancreas does not think to itself, all right, I have really sent out so much insulin, there's a problem. No. Your pancreas is thinking, oh my gosh, there's still so much sugar out here. I need to pump out more insulin so that we can get rid of this sugar. Okay. And as the insulin is sending messages to the muscle and the liver to store up the, the glucose, so the, the muscle and the liver, uh, they get full and they're like, you know what, fat cells, you take this. That's how we gain weight. It's stored, in, it's stored as our body fat. So the insulin resistant is, resistance is good to understand because so basically your pancreas does not think to itself, all right, I have given out so much insulin and nothing is happening. No. All it looks at is how much, there's still so much sugar in this bloodstream that we need to get rid of. And so what is it? It just keeps pumping out all this insulin with the hope that the blood sugar levels will go down. Okay, so that's insulin resistance. So we've looked at type 1, we've looked at type 2, and we would be remiss not to bring in gestational diabetes. And gestational diabetes, gestational meaning when you're pregnant, right? This is when glucose intolerance is fast recognized or diagnosed during pregnancy. All along, you've been fine, you get pregnant, and now you have issues with the homeostasis of your glucose. You have issues with control of the blood glucose, all right? So it's only, uh, this is when it comes, that's when it's fast diagnosed, is when you're pregnant, gestational diabetes. Now, it will usually develop about week 24. And um, for you to be diagnosed, every woman is given a test and it's administered between week 24 and 28. And any of you out there that's been pregnant, I know you remember that yucky orange juice that we have to take and then they have to poke us and get how much sugar it is. Oh, gross. But um, it is important. It is important to know whether you have gestational diabetes because of the health-related problems that can come with it. For example, obviously you have a risk of high, you have a, your, your hyperglycemia can put you at a higher risk of blood pressure during pregnancy. So your, so your blood pressure could be high um, if, you're high, if you're hyperglycemic. It also increases your risk of having a large baby that is then going to require C-section and C-section comes with its own um, complications. All right. You're also at a higher risk of developing type 2 diabetes later in life. So it's good to know all these things before. That way, 
We'll make sure that we check your blood pressure. We'll make sure that we uh, watch the baby, the baby's growth. And after you've had the baby, to keep checking to see that you do not develop type 2 diabetes later in life. Or we find it and put it under control early on. All right. So um, though hyperglycemia obviously can be brought from other problems, it could be a side effect of the drugs you're taking. Maybe you have pancreatitis because if the pancreas is destroyed in any way, may it be inflammation or infection, then that uh, will put a risk also on your beta cells and alpha cells and your glucose levels are not going to be well monitored. All right. Now, it's important that we understand this disease, diabetes, so that's to help our patients. And when I talk about patients, the statistics are staggering. In 2021 alone, the prevalence of diabetes, as was reported by the International Diabetes Federation, it showed that approximately 537 million adults in the age group of 20 to 79 years old are living with diabetes. That is a lot of human beings. And the same year recorded that 6.7 million people died as a result of um, diabetes complications. And then, just to make it even worse, the World Health Organization, um, their statistics show that diabetes is now in the top 10 causes of death globally. So it is truly, we have a lot of patients that have diabetes. It is important for us as healthcare workers to understand it so that we can be able to help them better and explain it to it better, okay? So I hope those statistics are staggering enough for you to pack up and want to understand um, the drugs in this class to better help your patients to live, even if they have diabetes, have long, healthy lives, uh, even with the disease, because it's a chronic illness, okay? So I'm going to touch briefly on complications uh, that are associated with uh, diabetes, and I'm going to put them in two baskets. So the first one is microvascular, which means affects the small blood vessels. And how do you see this portrayed in your patients? Retinopathy, which can lead to blindness. I'm sure you have seen or heard of patients um, with diabetes that end up blind. So just know it's a complication. Nephropathy, and this is the kidney, where you see lots of patients ending up in end-stage renal disease and needing dialysis. Not fun. Then there's neuropathy, where you see affected nerves um, in a where, for example, a patient could be complaining of having a burning sensation in their feet. That's peripheral neuropathy. Okay, so that's the microvascular basket. The macrovascular basket uh, has cardiovascular disease, which is the primary cause of death in diabetic patients, and it shows up as coronary heart disease cardiomyopathy, arrhythmias, it could be a, cerebro, a cerebrovascular disease, meaning strokes, or it could be a peripheral artery disease. So the macrovascular obviously is affecting the larger blood vessels. And this one is serious because it's usually the primary cause of death is going to be that cardiovascular disease. So as we jump into the drug classes, Remember that with this disease of impaired glucose, in, uh, glucose tolerance, we will be trying to help the body to better deal with the control of the sugar in the blood.
All right, this should be fun. I am Dr. Wamboi, and thanks for listening to this episode of The Drag Chat. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And remember to share with your friends. Until next time, stay inquisitive. Bye.